0: Good morning. Good morning. Before we begin this morning, a couple of things uh, come to mind that I wanted to, uh, to say beforehand. I know, everybody's looking at me like, uh-oh, because oh, <laughs> I warned a couple of you if I I was going to do something, I probably won't do that. But I just am very thankful, and I hope you are too, that uh, as Dave has been gone for this Sabbatical. We have been blessed the last few weeks. Uh, with the exception of this week, you're going to hear some really good preaching. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up for today. However, I wanted to just say thanks to the guys. Steve, the message that uh, you preached a couple weeks ago, the one that I, I heard I was out of town, but was one of the best I've heard on the subject of salvation and sanctification. And as you know, I've heard a lot and preached a lot, and I appreciate it so very much. Chris, I was going to preach from Nehemiah today. (laughs) Thank you. One of my favorite books, great message, great job. I knew you'd do a great job. Nehemiah is a great book. I still could have preached from Nehemiah, because the last chapter of Nehemiah, at the end of Nehemiah, is their Thanksgiving celebration on the wall. If you don't know it, you need to go read it. It's a, it's a great Thanksgiving message. This one thing, from the scripture this morning, we're going to be looking at one thing. Well, actually, we're going to be looking at three one things, if that's possible. I know it. It doesn't add up. Three plus one today equals one thing. In the book of Psalm, David says in Psalm 27, one thing. A singleness of heart and mind and, 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 and soul, basically what David is talking about. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who will I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh? My enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. <clears throat> in this I will be confident. One thing, this one thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I have desired, one thing I will seek. One thing I, I desire, I, I really desire, I really seek after. This time of year, those of you who are blessed with smaller children in your house, you hear that? This is what I want. This, just this one thing. If I can just have this one thing, this is all I want for Christmas. Just one thing. So if you would, please just get them that one thing. That's it. Nothing else. Don't let anybody else get them anything. Good luck with grandpa and grandma. But, um, <laughs> just one thing. I don't care if I get anything else. Just this one thing. One thing, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The beauty of his holiness, in his beauty forever. What does that mean? Does that mean that David was going to go to church and just sit there all day long and dwell in the presence? (laughs) He's, He's speaking of that. Is an attitude of heart and mind because the temple of the Lord was what? Where did God dwell in the Old Testament? In the temple. Where was the very presence of God in the Old Testament? The Holy of Holies. So if you are dwelling in the house of the Lord, if you dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. He wasn't talking about spending all of his time in the temple. What he really was talking about was keeping that kind of relationship with God, keeping close enough to his God that he would be forever and day by day, moment by moment, be in his presence and feel the beauty and the presence of the Lord day by day and moment by moment. That should be your prayer, and your psalm to him today. Forever before me, forever within me. What do we truly seek after? What do we truly desire? And as you know, people are desperate for so many things in this world today. People are desperate to have more of something. There's never enough. There's a madness in the multiplicity of things that are available and people are distracted by the determination to have more of whatever it is. Your focus, your desire. Child of God, today one thing you must desire And seek after more than anything else. Yes, more and more of the living God. More and more of Jesus and his salvation. And more of the presence of his Holy Spirit. This one thing I desire and that will I seek after. You see... The amazing and wonderful truth about that is there is always more. There is always more of God. There is always more of Christ Jesus. There's always more of the power of His Holy Spirit in His life. No matter how great you feel, no matter how things are going spiritually, and they're going great, and I hope they are, but you know what the good news is? There's more. There's more. One thing is more, his salvation, more of his fullness. How can you be more than full? Well, you can be. His indwelling presence comes to fill you more and to overflowing. There's always more. In Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount... Jesus says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. A hunger, a thirst, a a desperate seeking and need for God. There's a quote from a very old book, a guy by the name of Marshall wrote a book on Christian ethics. And he does a paraphrase of this beatitude and says, blessed are they who are not at peace with themselves but shot through and through with a divine discontent bitterly dissatisfied for god bestows his cho- choicest blessing upon those self not upon those self-satisfied self-sufficient or self-complacent but god bestows his choicest blessings upon those who are broken broken by a sense of need. Not bent, not melted, not emotional, but broken. Blessing out of brokenness. You see, no matter who you are, or no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, you need more. One thing, one desire, the fullness of the Lord needs to be your constant desire and your prayer. There's a worship song from, well, I'll date myself here, but that's all right. Michael W. Smith. Some of you know who that is, I would hope. For those of you who didn't, the reason you're listening to contemporary Christian music all over the place now is because... Michael W. Smith, and ones like him who years ago were really the forerunners of, of that. His song is Draw Me Close. Draw Me Close to You, Never Let Me Go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire no one else will do because nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace help me find the way bring me back to you you're all I want you're all I've ever needed you're all I want help me know you are near you're all I want you're all I've ever needed my desire desire one thing I desire In John chapter 9, the blind man is healed, and he goes before the Pharisees. You remember that story? He gets healed, and they send him to the Pharisees, and he goes before the Pharisees and tells them that Jesus has healed him, and, and they dismiss him, and they call his parents in, and they say, yeah, he's been blind since birth. And then, what do they do? They call him back again. So again they called the man, John chapter 9, verse 24, who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man, Jesus, we know this man, Jesus, that guy, we know that he is a sinner. And he answered and said to him, you know what he answered? You know what he said? Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But this one thing I know, though I was blind... Now I see. I was blind, and now I see. You see, you can, you can argue with a lot of things when you share your faith. And I have done that. I've opened my Bible, and I've read Bible verses, and people begin to dispute the validity of the Bible. Have you ever had that? Well, that's just a book, blah, 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 they go on and on and on. You know what they can't dispute? You know what somebody cannot dispute when you're talking about Jesus and what Jesus Christ can do and the salvation power of Jesus? They can't dispute your story. This is what happened to me. This is what Jesus has done for me. How do you dispute that? You can't. You can't. The most, one of the most powerful tools you have is what the blind man, I, you know, say what you want to. Okay, excuse me. I don't know what you're talking about, that, what, what you're saying, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I met this man, Jesus, and I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Right? It's truth that's indisputable because it happened to me. It happened to me. This one thing I know. The discovery of the power of Christ in your life now, that desire that leads to discovery. The desire, the want, the need, and the discovery. I have discovered. I have found it. I've been found. Deal Moody, if you you should know who D.L. Moody was. Anybody that here that doesn't, here Pastor, I'll send you to Pastor Dave. He'll talk to you. Or my grandson, he's here today. He's a freshman at Moody Bible Institute this year. But D.L. Moody, I don't know if you've ever read. You need to read a biography of D.L. Moody if you haven't. Just wait. That's just a side. Just a side note. Wonder some great story. He's a a very interesting and great man. If you just look D.L. Moody up online, you can find a portion there. You can just look up quotes of D.L. Moody and his sermons. I didn't have time, or I would have stolen a few of those for today because some great stuff. He established his church. Basically, he started a church. He didn't start as a preacher. He started as a shoe salesman in Massachusetts left his uncle's shoe store in Massachusetts, moved to Chicago and started working at a shoe store there and was successful in selling shoes. As a young man, got involved in a Sunday school class. This guy came in the shoe store and witnessed to him. He got saved and, and the story just blossoms into there where he begins to preach and begins to, to go on mission trips and then he finally founded what is now known as Moody Memorial Church, or the Moody Church in Chicago in 1864. And they built a building, a beautiful building, and they were worshiping in that building, and it was a a great and going and growing church. God was moving mightily, and Moody, Moody was a fantastic, one of the best preachers ever to preach. And then... In 1871, something happened. Anybody know what happened in 1871 in Chicago? That's right. And they blamed it on the poor cow. Remember that? (laughs) Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Poor old girl. She didn't do anything. Everybody knows that. Fire swept through Chicago and burned Moody's church to the ground. Pile of ashes. Wow. Moody says, and I'm paraphrasing his own that I read and, and, and uh, his account of this event. He was devastated, but he began to think and he said, you know, I'm going to go to New York City he knew a lot of people in a lot of different places he knew a lot of influential people in new york city so he said i'm going to go to new york going to take a train going to go there i'm going to walk the streets of new york and i'm going to go to this business this one this one and this one and this one and this one and, this, and i'm going to raise all the money and come back and uh, and and build the church again and he started knocking on doors and he visited every business and businessman that he knew He walked out of the last place that he was going to visit and had raised zero, not a dime, not a dime. Moody says, I would have been successful, but I was doing it not for the Lord God, but I was doing it for D.L. Moody. Rejection after rejection after rejection. And there in the streets of New York City in 1871, and even in 1871, New York City wasn't a small city, walking along the sidewalk in New York City, he cried out to God, is this all there is? And he fell to his knees as people passed him by, God, is this all there is? do something more in my life, I, I have to have more, was the cry and his desire and his challenge to God. Have you been there? God, this is, this is D.L. Moody. This is one of the most successful preachers in America. This is a spiritual leader of a great and thriving congregation that was known all over the world and he's on his knees in the middle of a city street in New York City saying, God, I have to have more. Is there more? Please, Lord, I need more. Boom. Be ready because if those are real. Right there with people all around D.L. Moody was moved by the Holy Spirit of the living God in a powerful way. And he discovered that God always has more. Even for D.L. Moody. The good news is that means he's got more for me. More for you. Moody jumped on a train and came back home. He found a very small, inadequate facility. They grabbed some two by fours and other things and made some makeshift pews and a makeshift pulpit and platform. And the next Sunday, he was preaching. And Moody says this he, of his ministry. Up to this point, I had 16 years of busyness and 16 years of barrenness more. You know, are, are we just busy doing the right things and going to right places and saying the right things and barren? We need to make that discovery. The truth of that discovery and stand as that young blind, formerly blind man, stand, stood before the Pharisees and say, you know what? This one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. The power and saving power of Jesus in our lives. The sustaining power of the Holy Spirit. This one thing I know. Excuse me, wow. In thinking about this, I'm (laughs) The Hymns of the Church. There's really some great theology in hymns. Did you know that? I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or my life is in vain. I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfill. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. This one thing I know that I have discovered. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost. I was lost, but now I'm found. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. The desire, the discovery, and the dedication. Here it is. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgiving those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I press toward the goal. I press toward the target, toward the bullseye for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do. Desire, discovery, and determined to do this one thing I do. Not one thing I plan on, not one thing I talk about, but this one thing I do. Vital living and Christian character, confidence, is not in the thinking or in the talking or in the planning, but it's in the doing. One thing I do that I will press on forward toward the goal. You know, and I know, and you've heard it many times, we can't drive our car by looking in the rear view mirror, correct? Not a good idea. forward, keeping our eye on the goal. Not looking behind, Paul says, not looking behind me, but ahead of me. It's in the doing. A faith that is forward, a faith that is not faltering or fading, but goes fuller and further and deeper and deeper, filled some more to be poured out. To be poured out. This one thing I do, it is in the doing. It really doesn't matter how much you talk about doing something unless you actually do it. Right? Marsha will remember this. When I was pastoring in in Wisconsin, a little country church, and there's a little town down the road that we used to go to. It was a bigger town anyway. We found this little flower shop that we bought flowers for uh, people. It was in this uh, little ramshackle shack Old, an old guy in there, and had all sorts of flowers, and did a real good job. And every time you walked in, every time we walked in, and we we were there for six years, and we were there many many times, and it looked the same every time we were there. But every time you walked in the door, he'd say, "Hi, folks. Oh, excuse me. I, I'm I'm going to remodel here next week sometime, or I'm going to remodel. I'm I'm working on getting this fixed up." <laughs> okay. So you're there four years later and you walk in and he says, yeah, hey, uh, hi, uh, yeah, we're going (laughs) to, it was funny, the flowers were inexpensive and he did a great job, the place was a wreck and stayed as a wreck, but you know what, he said he was going to fix it up. He said that things were going to look better and they never did. The first time we were in there, we said, oh, maybe he's really going to do that. And about the fifth or sixth time, we said, you know what? This guy's never going to touch this place. <laughs> Is that what's happening in our lives? Is that what happens? Oh, yeah, I'm going to take it. I really need more. I really, mm-mm. yeah, yeah. It's in the doing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Over and over. Yeah, that, that, I'm going to do that. Are we, but then are we ever going to do it? Are we ever going to do this one thing? I do. Toward the mark, the goal in Christ Jesus. Toward the target. We need to be hitting the target. It's no fun if you're shooting and shooting and don't hit the target. Is it? No. I do some shooting and you always like to hit the target. You even try to teach your grandson how to shoot. And every once in a while, he hits the target. No, I press on toward the mark. And actually the Greek word that that Paul uses there is actually for target, for for the mark. Press on. One thing I do. Paul wasn't talking about your plan. He wasn't talking about your thinking. He wasn't talking about the possibilities of the future that you could do or that you want to do. What the scripture and what what the word of God is saying through Paul is the thing that you must do. This one thing I do. I press on toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. What do you want? What is your desire? You know, oh, well, I just, you know, there's, I just want this one thing. Well, what is that one thing you really want? What's the desire of your heart? One thing I have sought, sought the Lord for, one thing I desire is to be in his presence forever, to dwell in his presence and in his beauty all my life, all the days of my life. That's my desire. The discovery. What have you discovered? The discovery is, I know. Well, you say, I I don't know a lot of things, but this one thing I do know. You've heard people say that, right? Well, this one thing I know. I know. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. You see, the blind man gave them an argument they could not refute. This one thing I know. Paul says, this one thing I do, I press on. Toward the mark. I will keep doing. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to dream about it. I'm not going to just tell you about it or anybody else about it. I'm not going to write it in my journal or or put it on Facebook. I'm just going to do it. Lord, I'm just going to do Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize. And what's the prize? The upward calling of Christ Jesus. This one thing. This one thing. I desire. This one thing I know. I have discovered. This one thing I do, and I'm dedicated. Father, bless your word to our ears and hearts. Amen.